We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, Daniel, how many times in your life do you think you've moved, like, from one house to another? So many times. Mm. There was one period when we actually moved back and forth across the Atlantic. I think it was seven times in four years. That's wild. Yeah. From California to Geneva and back. It was insane. Well, the hard part is when you need to do renovations, right? Like if you're, the home that you're moving into is not quite habitable. That's right. You want to get it just as you like it. You want it to be nice and cozy. You want it to be a comfortable place to live. You want all those things, right? And that's hard enough when the other place you're living is across town or across mm. the country or even somewhere else on the planet. Yeah, but now imagine if you had to move to a whole another planet. I'm not sure I can get my wife on board for taking the kids to Mars or to the moon or to Jupiter. (laughs) It's a little further than Geneva. It's a tiny bit further than traveling in Switzerland. And I'm not sure how we'd find a contractor to do that work. Like, who's going to do the renovations of my lunar base? Mm, Elon Musk. (laughs) He's probably got a company already for it. He'll sell you five different kinds of flooring. It's called um, House X. (laughs) The flooring company. The flooring company. Oh. Perfect. Hi, I'm Jorge. And I'm Daniel. And welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. I'm a particle physicist, but I like thinking and talking about all sorts of crazy things in science. And I'm a cartoonist, and mostly I'm just crazy. <laughs> I got nothing to say to that. Yeah, that's oh, no, you're supposed right to say, on. no yeah. way, Jorge. You're totally a sane and normal person. Yeah, I'm so not saying that. Um, and this is our podcast in which we take things in the universe and try to explain them to you, make them understandable. We don't want you to be intimidated by the fancy words in science. We want you to understand them so you can impress people at cocktail parties when they ask you, what is the Higgs boson or how does something actually work? 
Yeah, we want you to imagine what it's like to travel the universe and to see all these amazing things out there. Today we're going to talk about living on other worlds, terraforming. Terraforming. Is that like the um, the ceramic thing that you make statues out of? <laughs> I think uh, if you want to make a really big planet-sized statue, then you could call that terraforming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I, I think I'm thinking about terracotta. That's different. <laughs> terracotta, that's right. Can you build a planet out of terracotta, right? That'd be the, the largest pottery wheel in the, in the history of uh, the universe. Yeah, so that's a big question is, can we be an interplanetary species? Can, we, can humanity live in multiple planets? That's right. And this, this is a really important question because if we want to survive for thousands or millions of years, we can't keep all of our eggs in just one planetary basket. Mm-hmm. You know, one comet comes and slams into Earth and kills everything on Earth, poof, we're dead. Yeah. But if we have people living on Mars and the moon and, you know, and somewhere else, then we could survive such cataclysm. As a species, you mean? As a species, not me or you individually. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to jump up there and catch the comet and save the planet or anything like that. But from the point of view of, the, of humanity, it seems like a really important project to get off this rock and get yeah. living somewhere else. Yeah, or like if we ruin this planet, right? Like if we um, mess it up somehow and Earth is no longer habitable, what's going to happen to humanity? We have to go somewhere else. You make us sound like we're a bunch of kids making a mess in the living room or something. Like you don't have faith that we're going to be able to take care of this planet? You think we're on a on the trajectory to climb a doomsday? We're more like little kids burning tires inside of the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's an official recommendation, people. Jorge says, do not burn tires inside your house. Just do it in the backyard, right? Generally, that's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how you start your cozy family evenings? Let's go burn some tires outside. Um, Yeah, but this is even bigger than that. This is bigger than can we go to another planet? Can we establish a base on another planet? Mm -hmm. This is can we make another planet habitable so you can live outside? You can breathe the air. You can run around. You can grow crops. Mm. So meaning we can go to another planet and live there, but we would be in spacesuits and inside of uh, some kind of base the whole time. That wouldn't be a lot of fun. That would not be a lot of fun. I mean, mm. I think if you went to Mars and just built a colony, like, you know, out of uh, ships and domes and stuff like that, you'd basically be living on Antarctica. You know, it'd be cold and dry and unpleasant, and you have to pee in a spacesuit all the time. And it would not be like living on Earth. It'd be very hard to imagine millions or billions of people living that way on Mars, right? Or, or anywhere else. So if you want, really want to establish non Earth population centers, you have to figure out a way to make the planet itself habitable without a spacesuit. Yeah, so that's where the term terraforming comes from. And so we were curious to know how many people out there, including you, maybe, uh, knew this term. Yeah, so I went out in the street and I asked people, have you heard of terraforming? Do you know what it is? What does it mean? Is it possible? Here's what people had to say. I've heard the word before, but I don't actually know anything about it. Okay, best guess. The form, like how the Earth got formed. Okay. No, I haven't heard of terraforming before. No, 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 I haven't. Okay. Terraform. I've heard of it. I don't know the meaning of it. Best guess. Okay. Um, on another planet, forming the environment or something like that. Yeah. Something along those lines. All right, great. Is that like where you dig up the planet? I've heard of the term, but not the definition. What's your best guess what it might be? 
how the Earth forms, or how any planet forms. Or... Okay, cool. Yeah, I have heard of terraforming. Terraforming is hopefully something when we can be a step three civilization, or I forget the correct connotation, but you'll maybe get a lot of energy from the sun and be able to use that to go and colonize another planet and make the human race become a multi-planetary species. Do you think that's realistic? No, I think we have way too much on Earth that we need to take care of still, and that it's a sexy idea, but I think that it's not going to happen for some long amount of time. All right, so uh, a lot of no's. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I was asking the wrong question. I was asking people, have they heard of terraforming? And mm. most of the people, except for one very smart gentleman who had a lot, of, lot to say about it, had never even heard of the word, mm. right? They were like just not even part of something they think about or, or talk about or wonder about, right? So yeah. that's good. We can, we can explain to people what the word means. Nobody thought it was terracotta. <laughs> Nobody except for you thinks it has to do with pottery. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or um, furry Chinese soldiers. <laughs> except for now. Somebody now is going to be listening to this podcast. They're going to come away. With it, mm. that, that's their takeaway, right? That terraforming is making an earth out of terracotta. But uh, maybe a more interesting question to have asked would have been like, do you think it's possible to turn Mars into a habitable planet? Right? That's, I'm curious what people would have thought about that. But uh, anyway, in another universe, in another multiverse, I asked that different question. Mm. Do you think people would have known or thought it was possible or not? I don't know, but I, I'm always surprised to hear what people think. I would, have, would like to know what people think is possible. If that's sort of a feasible project that humanity could pull off. I mean, massive planetary engineering. As you'll hear in today's podcast, folks, it's not a small project to undertake. That's a cool word, planetary engineering. The idea that you can change an entire planet. That's amazing, right? Yeah, and you know, it's something people thinking about for Earth, right? Geoengineering is the study of like, can we solve our climate pro- climate problems by doing some crazy engineering, you know, like deflecting the sun's rays or, or you know, injecting mm. things into the atmosphere or pulling CO2 out of the atmosphere, like these massive engineering projects as desperate measures to reverse climate change. It's going to become um, center stage more and more in the, in the next few years, I think. Wow. Be cool to get that as a degree, you know, in your diploma, planetary engineer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the more people burn tires outside or in their living room, the more we're going to have to worry about this stuff and counteract it. So somebody's got to think about it. There's a lot of really fun papers about geoengineering. Mm. People have crazy schemes to try to cool off the earth or... I mean, a lot of it sounds really risky to me. It's not like we really understand the way the atmosphere works. So trying to tweak it and twiddle with it, like dialing the knobs on the atmosphere, that scares me. Seems seems tricky. Yeah, you don't have a lot tricky. of faith in engineers, generally. <laughs> I feel. Well, you know, sometimes you have to put your faith in the engineers because you have a desperate problem, right? But um, when it's a when it's a system that you know they don't understand, like we can't predict the weather very well, right? So mm. how can you predict what happens when you seed clouds or when you put huge mirrors in space, like? And that's a fine thing to do on another planet where, you know, you have a million years to figure it out or a thousand years to figure it out, oh. um, an infinite budget. But when it comes to Earth, our home, I'm less open to yeah. this kind of crazy experimentation. I would be very cautious. I guess we only have one planet. And so, you know, we, if we mess it up tinkering, it could be bad news. Yeah, exactly. Um, would you put the, uh, the whole climate into the hands of engineers and say, hey, tinker away, see what happens? <laughs> I uh, I think it'd be cool just to be a, be called a PE, you know, like a planetary engineer. <laughs> you just want the title. You don't want the responsibilities. I just want the title, yeah. <laughs> you just want to say, say at parties, I want a PhD hey, I'm a PE. planetary engineer. <laughs> a PhD in PE. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into it. So what is terraforming? What is, what is the concept of uh, terraforming? 
Yeah, so just from the word terra meaning Earth, and right, and forming meaning forming, it means take another planet like Mars or another planet and make it like the Earth, make it to be able to mm. sustain human life, right? Make it habitable. Yeah, make it habitable. Make it a place that you might want to go, right? Right. Um, but is it so? It's basically the concept of making it so that you can step outside without a spacesuit, take a deep breath, and enjoy the sun and the air on Mars. Yeah, or any other planet. I mean, and that's exactly the kind of thing that happens in science fiction stories all the time, right? They land on some planet, they they set down, they open the door, they take a deep breath, and they go, ah, yeah, yeah, it smells pretty sweet on planet XYZ487, Yeah, right? there's nothing toxic <laughs> or dangerous when I breathe this air, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, mm-hmm. that strikes me as very unlikely. I mean, that would be wonderful if it happened, but it strikes me as very unlikely. But that's the point, is being able to step outside without a spacesuit and breathe and live. But is that the only motivation, kind of to enjoy the outdoors in another planet? Or is there something more that, you know, we can't physically live that many people inside of a base or inside of a, a constrained environment? Yeah, I think if you want to if you want to really spread across the planet, you got to make the whole thing habitable. I mean, if you're going to build domes uh, and live inside domes, that's that's not nearly as fun, right? And it's uh, it's constrained exactly. So, mm. um, if you want to have agriculture that supports a large population, you're going to need to have plants growing. And so, either mm. you have to build a dome the size of the planet, or just make the planet into a dome, right? Eventually, having domes mm. is impractical. Interesting. Okay, so let's get into the details then. What does it mean to be habitable, for a planet to be habitable? Like, what do we need to change in other planets to make it more like ours? Yeah, so you need an atmosphere. You need non-toxic atmosphere with oxygen in it. You need to have enough water, right? Um, You need Mm -hmm. the temperature to be reasonable, right? You can't be frozen instantly or boiled to a crisp as soon as you step outside. Um, You also, and that's not even enough, right? You might think, well, that's a tall order, and it is. But even that's not enough. You need things like shielding from cosmic rays, right? Mm. If you're in a place where the radiation is much higher than it is on Earth, then you need to be protected. Having an atmosphere will do some of that for you, but it might not be enough. Right. Um, So I'd say those are the basics. Water, temperature, atmosphere, um, and shielding from cosmic rays. Those are the four elements. Mm. It's a lot of things to get right, you know, already. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like four things, but that's that's a, a big list of requests for your um, for the flooring company or whatever it is we're going to hire to uh, <laughs> to um, renovate the moon for us. Well, it's just four things, but it's four things the size of an entire planet, right? Like you, it's not like a changing in a little dome. It's it's an entire gigantic space that you need to have these right. Yeah, exactly. And we have that situation on Earth, which is wonderful, but it's not like that happened overnight. You know, this is a billions of years process to get to where we are today. And now we're talking about engineering it and doing it in hopefully less than a billion years, right? So it's going to be harder to do on another planet where it didn't happen by itself in a shorter amount of time. Yeah, it kind of makes you think how precious it is, the the conditions that we have here. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we should review like roughly how that happened on Earth, how we got to a habitable planet on Earth. Earth was formed, big ball of hot lava, etc. It's cooled down a little bit, but then it was dry. And so as we talked about in a podcast episode a while ago, um, we got water by having comets smash into the Earth's surface. And comets are basically huge mm-hmm. snowballs in space. And yeah, so we all, brought water in from outer space. <laughs> we ordered it, right, on DoorDash or something. We're like, hey, yeah. can you deliver like a thousand comets uh, tomorrow? Yeah. Hey, Arrowhead, we need a, a couple of trillion gallons, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's where we got the water, right, from space comets. Um, and then life started, right? And life 
and produced some carbon dioxide. So this is very, very early life, like microbes that could eat things like metals and rock and all sorts of stuff that, that existed on the planet um, and produced mm-hmm. some carbon dioxide. And we also got some carbon dioxide by venting from volcanoes. So that's how we got our atmosphere, from microbes mm-hmm. and from volcanoes. That gives us an atmosphere that has a lot of carbon dioxide in it, right? But then we right. need the oxygen. And the oxygen came when microbes, actually cyanobacteria in particular, and then later algae and plants figured out how to photosynthesize. Wow. Photosynthesis essentially is breaking down CO2 into oxygen and carbon, right? And so some of that oxygen is released in the atmosphere. And so you have huge amounts of microbes and algae and plankton in the ocean doing this all the time. And the trees now doing this produce enough oxygen to give us an atmosphere that was breathable for animals, right? So that's how we got water, we got pressure, we got um, oxygen. Yeah, and it's all sort of tied together, right? The living things are tied together with the things in the rocks and the things that came from outer space. And it all sort of mixed together to... And that's where we evolve, right? It's not like these are the ideal conditions for any life. It's just that these are the conditions in which we grew up in. And so that's what we need, right? That's right. And you're right, they're all tied together. It's hard to get one without the other. You know, having enough water helps you with uh, all these cycles and having the right pressure in the atmosphere helps keep the water on the planet and helps keep the temperature right. And so it's a very complicated, delicate system. And it's very easy to throw out of balance. I'm amazed, frankly, that we haven't screwed it up already. You know, that it's lasted this long. <laughs> well, we're well on our way, I think. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Your so... expectations are, are not uh, low enough. That's right. Too many people are burning tires inside. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's get into then how you would do it on another planet. Let's get into the details of of P-ing. Not P-ing, but (laughs) P-E-ing. Planetary engineering. Uh, A whole other planet to be just like our cozy Earth. But first, let's take a quick break. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities, but it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, How have I been living like this? It's kind of like how you feel when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, while Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording all this? So it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Personally, I've used Mint Mobile, and the calls are always so crisp and so clear. All of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's time to ditch your 
overpriced wireless and go with Mint Mobile's limited time deal for three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Slower speeds above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. All right, so how do we set up um, a livable situation on Mars so that we can do mm-hmm. cartwheels in the grass and enjoy and take deep yeah. breaths and drink from rivers and raise our children carefree, right? That's the goal. Yeah, how do we change a planet in which we would die if we stepped outside <laughs> to one in which it'd be nice to go out and take a walk? Right, we basically want to turn Antarctica into Southern California, right? That seems easy. How mm-hmm. hard could that be, right? Well, we're well on our way for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Antarctica global is, warming. The new, is the new um, Southern California. Yeah. So we're going to start with Mars because that's the nearest planet, right? That's kind of the best candidate we have for maybe moving the entire species to, right? That's right. This is a ridiculous project, possibly, potentially impossible, costing zillions of dollars and maybe taking zillions of years. But mm-hmm. of the impossible um, destinations we might consider, Mars is sort of the least impossible. So yeah, that's the one the people, le- <laughs> people talk about a lot. The least impossible. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so there's a sliver of a chance that we might be able to pull this off. Yeah, exactly. And so to figure out whether this was possible, I actually made a call to an expert, um, Professor mm. Jim Castings at Penn State University, who, was, who knows a lot about um, terraforming and Mars. He's thought about this. And when I first called him up and I asked him, I said, is terraforming Mars possible? He said, just flatly, no, can't be done. No. Nope. <laughs> I was like, well, that was a short phone call, right? This is going to be a Yeah, quick this episode. will be a short podcast. <laughs> yeah, but then I said, is terraforming possible? No. <laughs> no. See done. you next time. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Um, so he said no. He said he, he's an expert. He's worked with NASA. He's like, no, forget yeah, it. Yeah, he thought about a lot. He said no. But then I said, okay, what if I give you an infinite amount of money? He was like, hmm, mm. okay, maybe. Yeah, so then he considered it. And I said, and an infinite number of years. And he said, okay, infinite amount of time and infinite amount of resources, then we can do it. Wow. So, so, so there it's, is a it's about the resources. When you say it's impossible, it's not um, like it violates any laws of physics. It's just that we. He, he didn't foresee how we would pull this off with the resources that we have. Yeah, well, right? as you'll hear when we talk about this, it's going to be expensive, right? So the oh, first okay. problem is Mars has hardly any atmosphere. And the atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide, right? There's almost no oxygen on Mars. Okay. So problem number one is you need an atmosphere on Mars, right? And by an atmosphere, you mean like a layer of gas surrounding the planet. Because currently, it doesn't have much of that. That's right. So that when you step outside and you take a deep breath you get a breath instead of like your lungs boiling, um, which seems less comfortable, right? I don't want to, when we make ads for the resort that we're going to start on Mars, we don't want um, images of our guests having their lungs going inside out and their blood boiling into space, right? Yeah, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in 
Total Recall. Yeah, that was Remember a documentary, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, he went outside. He goes outside on Mars, and he, like his eyes bug out, and it's a fun movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's one problem is the atmosphere, and connected to that is the temperature. Currently on Mars, I checked mm. the weather this morning. It's negative sixty three degrees Celsius on the surface of Mars. Mm. Right, chilly, chilly. Definitely not Southern California standards, right? And those two things are connected. Is it connected to the the, the fact that there is no atmosphere? You know, like a, a, a vacuum is by definition kind of uh, cold, right? Well, there's that. I mean, but also there's nothing to store the sun's energy, right? The sun hits Mars and, and warms it up, but then the energy just floats off into space, right? It just radiates back mm. out into space. But an atmosphere acts like a blanket, right? And so it keeps mm. the sun's energy on the planet. That's one of the reasons why we have global warming here on Earth is that we're thickening the blanket we have of carbon dioxide. It's keeping more and more of the sun's energy. So Mars it acts has like almost a greenhouse, none. right? Yeah, it acts like a greenhouse. Mars has almost no atmosphere, and so most of the energy mm. just bounces right back into space. So the fact that you don't have an atmosphere and you don't and you and you're too cold are connected, right? Mm. Which is bad. If you had an atmosphere, it could warm up. Yes, exactly. So one strategy for warming up the planet is to give it an atmosphere, right? So, for mm. example, um, I, I asked the professor. I said, you know, what if we um, use the carbon dioxide that is on Mars? Because Mars has a bunch of carbon dioxide, it has a bunch of water, but it's mostly frozen in the ice caps, mm. right? So in, in the uh, the polar caps. So there's these huge amounts of basically dry ice, which is frozen carbon dioxide, on the surface. And so people have been thinking, what if we could melt that somehow, right? Like, so, what if you stick it in the microwave? <laughs> and it If you can build a planet-sized microwave, then I think all these terraforming <laughs> projects will be easy. Um, but no, say, for example, you sent up a bunch of nu- nukes, right? You nuked the ice caps nukes. on Mars. Yeah. Um, vaporized all of it, right? And then you would mm-hmm. have um, some gas in the atmosphere, right? And so that's sort of a step in the right direction. So you proposed that to him. What did he say? The problem with that is that there's not enough, right? Even if you did that, it would be like one fiftieth of the carbon dioxide you need to make enough pressure on the planet so that you could warm it up, right? Mm. So you need some other source of carbon dioxide. Now, this is something which is in contention. Some people say, oh, there's a lot of more carbon dioxide that's sort of buried under the ground, and as soon as you start warming it up, that carbon dioxide will be released into the atmosphere and it sort of be a runaway greenhouse effect. Right. It has to already be in on Mars. Like we can't bring enough CO two. Like we have our problem is we have too much CO two. We can't just take it to Mars. No, we could. That's another solution, right? But it's oh, easier to start with the CO two on Mars. And some people think okay. there's just not enough CO two on Mars. So that even if you melt the ice caps and warm up all the rocks, that you just won't get enough CO two. But that's a point of contention. Nobody's entirely sure. But mm. if there isn't enough CO two on Mars, as you say, we could bring some in, right? You could find wow. some comets or some you know asteroids that are mostly CO two and just sort of nudge them towards Mars and crash them onto the surface. Oh, man, wouldn't that cause other problems? <laughs> well, I think you know? you'd want to do that before you build your resort. Um, but oh, I see. Otherwise, I mean, what problems would it cause? Mm. I, don't, I mean, it sounds sort of naive, but like, what's the danger with crashing an asteroid onto the surface of Mars? Like, nobody lives there. Right? <laughs> I mean, what's I, the worst that could happen the, if we uh, learn to divert asteroids onto other planets? <laughs> Um, no, that's a that's a realistic approach, and this is what I meant when I well, said like massive resources. Because now you have to build a huge spaceship, and you have to get it out mm-hmm. there to the asteroids system, and you have to somehow like find an asteroid Steered. and nudge it towards Mars, and like this is already wow. costing a lot of money. Now we're talking about asteroid wrangling. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. A, that's another cool job description. 
Yeah, asteroid wrangling. You're, you're going to get a lot of PhDs. You're going to be like Bruce Banner. You're going to have like seven PhDs so you can solve any problem. <laughs> okay, so, oh, so that's where the costs start adding up. Like mm-hmm. to get the atmosphere we need, you just need this, these huge engineering problems which cost money. Yeah, for people yeah, to do and exactly. to sign up for them, right? Yeah, but there's there's more problems. Like, say you could do that. Say you could nuke the um the, the ice caps, and you can get some CO two, and then you bring in enough asteroids, and you get enough CO two to warm up the planet. Then you have another problem, which is okay. that the atmosphere is then toxic because in order to get enough CO two to make like a blanket to keep the planet warm enough, you need a lot more CO two on Mars than you do on Earth. And the reason is just that Mars is further away from the sun and it's smaller. Mm. So it doesn't get as much sunlight. So it needs a thicker blanket, right? So you need a lot more CO2 on Mars than you do on Earth to get to the right temperature. Problem is, if you put that much CO2 into the atmosphere, it kills humans. So humans cannot breathe that atmosphere. Wait, couldn't you just make up for it by adding more oxygen? More oxygen? Well, for, you don't yeah. want an atmosphere with too much oxygen because then everything just ignites simultaneously. Um, and also oxygen doesn't have the same properties as CO2 in terms of warming, right? Each of these gases mm. have a very different behavior in terms of planetary warming because they, they act different in the atmosphere. So that's not, just not possible to do just straight CO2. Um, mm. But then the people have some other ideas, like maybe we could bring in some ammonia because ammonia is a really good um, atmospheric warmer, um, but mm. ammonia doesn't last very long. Um, so then I asked the professor, I said, well, what if you had some other way of warming it, right? Instead of just using CO2, what if you brought the CO2 yeah. up to a level where humans could breathe it and you had some other technique for bringing up the temperature? Like burning tires. <laughs> Do you have a lot, a lot of extra tires in your life or <laughs> you're desperate to get rid of? Is that what I'm hearing here? No, I mean, like, couldn't you create heat another way on yes. the planet? Yes, and so okay. one other way is to just increase the amount of solar um, of solar exposure, right? To get more sunlight onto Mars. So build mm. a big mirror in space and just focus a bunch Whoa. of energy onto the surface of Mars. You mean like kind of like um, like little kids do with the magnifying glass and ants? Yeah, exactly. Just kind of focus more sunlight onto uh, the spot where the planet is. Yeah, or you know like those little... Um, camping ovens that are just aluminum foil and you could put a hot dog in the middle of it and it focuses the sun's rays on it and eventually your hot dog warms up. That's the scenario except Mars, Mars is the, the hot dog. dog. Okay, so but you'd have to build gigantic mirrors. Yeah, the Mars has about half as much solar um, radiation as Earth does. So that means the mirror would have to be about the size of Mars, right? So now we're talking about huge planet-sized mirrors in space and you got to get them right. You know, if you too much or too little and all of a sudden all of your guests in your resort are freezing or fried up, right? So you're really <laughs> going to be trusting these PhD PEs to, to get this right and to never fail, right? This has to work forever wow. and always, right? So it's a, mm. it's a tricky task. Wow. And all of this is just to warm up the planet, right? Yeah, exactly. So you got to like, bring just, in This is just problem number one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Are you feeling less enthusiastic now? Um, <laughs> well, this is just like turn, your bank this is just like turning on the thermostat. You know, that's just the beginning of your problems. Yeah. So you bring in an atmosphere somehow. You warm up the planet, right? And then what do you have? You have a planet that has the right temperature, has enough CO two in it. Mm-hmm. But you also want to be able to grow crops. You want to be able to breathe, right? So you need to produce oxygen. Mm. Now, remember the way that that happened on Earth was that we had um, basically algae and phytoplankton and all sorts of little green microbes that are capable mm. of producing oxygen. Um, and that's cool. And we could do that again. We could just like launch a huge tub 
of, of plants, you know, um, of algae into the new lakes on warm Mars. And they could just, we could just wait for them to do their thing. We could just make Mars moldy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Make Mars funky again. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, that all sounds great. And you, you might be thinking, that sounds wonderful because then we're using the power of microbes. They multiply fast and they can spread mm. all over Mars and we can mm. green the planet. Um, so I talked to a microbiologist. Um, one of them is my wife. And I also consult, consulted um, Professor Heather Bean. She's at Arizona State University. And uh, they tell me that a reasonable estimate for how long it would take to produce enough oxygen is about a million years. Oh, my goodness. So even if we put giant tubs of algae there, it would take a million years to process all that CO2 into oxygen? It would take a million years. Unless, you know, you want to add another degree and you want to do like plankton engineering and create some new kind of microbe that's better at producing oxygen. But yeah, it would take about a million years. And, you know, it took took like 10 to the 6 or so years on Earth. It was not a fast process. Wait, um, so what's the factor? Do you just not have enough algae or do you... Is the algae just, you know, if you max out the number of um, amount of algae you could have on Mars, it would still take a million years. So in your mind's eye, you have like uh, the surface of Mars is covered with 10 feet of algae or something. Yeah, or so, yeah I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah. All right, what, yeah, let's the go with the max algae scenario. Even in that scenario, it still takes about a million years. And the reason is that algae are not in the business of producing oxygen. It's not why they do it. They photosynthesize. And But in that process, they produce oxygen and they also use some oxygen. So the amount of mm. oxygen that's like produced as spare is not, is not a lot. Um, mm. And yeah, so they're sequestering some carbon, they're producing some oxygen, but it's not an efficient way to make oxygen. I mean, it's, it's nice see. because it sort of runs itself and it's historical because it's the way we did it on Earth. So that's nice and cozy, but it's not a very fast way to make a, to make a planet have enough oxygen in it. Wow. And I want to talk about that some more, but first let's take a quick break. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities, but it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. 
When I take time off to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, to immerse myself in natural beauty and have a unique experience. But you don't have to leave the United States to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. People from Puerto Rico are called Boricuas, but it's not just a name. It's a spirit, a flavor, a rhythm that you can only find in one place on Earth. Puerto Rico. It's embodied by these proud, passionate people, and you'll feel it in every part of the island. When you bask in the warmth of the beaches, when you taste the love in the food, when you embrace the call of adventure, you'll find the Boricua spirit in yourself as well. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. You can forget where you came from and embrace where you are in Puerto Rico. Because your visit ends, but the stories last forever. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Okay, so then what can we do? Can we bring oxygen in other ways? Yeah, well, we could bring water, right? We could bring water in and we could split it, make the H2O into H and O and uh, and use that oxygen. That would take a lot of time and a lot of energy, right? Splitting water into oxygen and hydrogen takes a lot of energy. But hey, if we're building planetary-sized mirrors and shepherding asteroids around the around the uh, the solar system, then I'm assuming we have access to a huge amount of energy. So yeah, we could certainly do that. Hmm. Meaning uh, maybe grab another comet with water and crash it onto Mars. <laughs> That's right. Splash it now into your um, ocean of algae oh that you have goodness. pumping away oxygen into your atmosphere. It's like a cooking project. We have this yeah. planet here, just grab some comets from over here, some asteroids over here, mix it all together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a cooking project. Um, and even if you do that, even if you accomplish all of those things, you still have another problem, which is that Mars doesn't have a magnetic field. And the magnetic field is really oh. important in shielding from cosmic rays. Remember, cosmic rays are just tiny particles from space, and they're usually charged. And so a magnetic field will bend them. Here on Earth, we have a magnetic field, mm -hmm. and it bends a lot of the radiation from space and protects us, and also protects our atmosphere, right? So Wait, so, Mar um, so let's assume that we heated up the planet, and we created enough oxygen for us to step outside and breathe. We still have a big problem which is that it, it would all just blow away, right? That's right. The magnetic um, field keeps the atmosphere from getting blown away from the solar wind and from co other kinds of cosmic rays. Wow. And so we need to create a magnetic field for Mars. And, the you know, size of a planet. The size of the planet. And as, um, as crazy as that sounds, it's maybe the easiest task of all the things we've <laughs> talked about today because you don't need to like go inside of Mars and like get the core spinning to give you a magnetic field, which is how we think we have a magnetic field on Earth. You just need to provide mm. a magnetic shield. And that might be mm. as simple as putting a huge magnet out in space between the sun and Mars to provide like a, you know, a bending so that the particles don't hit Mars. And if you can get the magnetic field a little what? closer to the sun, you can create sort of a magnetic envelope or a shadow to protect the planet. Wait, this is the easiest problem that we have in this, is creating <laughs> exactly. a planet-sized force field <laughs> using a planet-sized magnet. That's right. If you, had, if, if you had to pick each of these tasks to solve, that's the one I would recommend picking because that one's <laughs> easiest and cheapest also. <laughs> If you've solved all these crazy problems, you might be able to make Mars habitable. 
That's right. So you build an atmosphere, you truck mm-hmm. in a bunch of CO2, you warm the planet with some mirrors, you seed it with things that produce oxygen, you provide a magnetic field. Then yeah, Wait, you wait a million years. You forgot the wait a million years part. <laughs> Don't pack your bags yet. You can put your underwear back in your drawer, people. Um, <laughs> it's going to take a long time before Mars is habitable, even if we started tomorrow. Um, mm. And, you know, we can get there earlier with uh, various bases. We don't have to complete the terraforming to start living on Mars. But mm. for the deep future, if we want humanity to really have a home on Mars, to be comfortable there, to, to have plants growing and crops and all sorts of things, a really healthy ecosystem, then, yeah, we got to do the terraforming, and it's going to take a long time. So it, there is a sliver of possibility. It would just be really, really expensive. Yeah, It might exactly. take a long time. Exactly. It would be expensive. It would take a long time. Um, but it's oh. not impossible. So given right. infinite time and infinite resources, it is possible. Yeah. And, you know, on this show, we talk about things that are Im- totally impossible and things that are just difficult and expensive. And And I mm. like when things are just difficult and expensive because then you can just say, well, pass it out to the engineers. I'm sure they'll figure <laughs> it out, right? You, not... you as a physicist can just wash your hands <laughs> That's right. and be like, it's not my That's... fault anymore that we're dying as a species. Exactly. Physicists, our job is to move something from impossible to possible. The rest is details, right? <laughs> that's, that's what we have the engineers for. You know, eventually there'll be an app. You know, you could just, um, uh, you know, mm. terraform my planet uh, with, with your app or something. It'll take five yeah. seconds. And who wrote yeah. that app? Engineers. <laughs> engineers. And they made all the money, okay? So, and they deserve <laughs> it, right? A lot, of ri- lot more rich engineers out there than rich physicists, if you ask me. I was going to say something, but I forgot. You were going to say something, but you got distracted by the huge pile of cash you have as an engineer. <laughs> Sorry, I was counting my gold coins. I forgot what you were saying. <laughs> okay, so that's Mars. That's maybe one of the closest and, and maybe least sour, impossible tasting of the options. But there are other possibilities within our solar system or maybe outside our solar system, right? That's right. There are some other places that we could consider living. For example, there's the moon, right? The moon Mm. is even closer than Mars. And so from the point of view of like getting stuff there and doing the engineering, it's even simpler. The problem is that the the moon has a lot of the same challenges as Mars, but it's even smaller. So the gravity is, is much, much less which mm. means it'd be really hard to hold on to an atmosphere. Even if you did all the work, you crashed a bunch of comets into the moon, um, you, you warmed it up somehow with mirrors and, and you give it a nice atmosphere, the atmosphere would just leak away, right? There's not enough gravity to hold on to the atmosphere on the moon. You have to be big enough. There's a size requirement. Yeah, exactly. You have to be big enough so that you have enough gravity to hold on to the atmosphere, right? Mm. It's like you don't want to buy somebody a fancy new jacket if it's, they're just going to throw it away. And that's basically what it would be like. If we build an atmosphere on the moon, it's just going to float away into space because the moon is not big enough to hold on to it. But at least you would have enough cheese, right? That's, <laughs> that's right. It would be a fun party while it lasted, right? Um, <laughs> but if you're looking for like a, you know, thousands and thousands of years kind of solution, like you want to establish mm. a human base there, it's just not really a good, a good idea. I mean, wow. it might last hundreds of years. You might even get a thousand years out of it. But you need to continuously replenish the atmosphere because it'd be constantly running away from you. Because it'll just float out into space. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You'd just be constantly farting out your life source into space. <laughs> So the moon is not constantly having to PE um, (laughs) your farts back in to your mini planet. All right, so uh, so that's moon. The moon. What what about uh, other planets in the solar system? 
Well, Venus is interesting because it has exactly the opposite problem, right? Venus, mm. Mars, we talked about, has n- almost no atmosphere. The moon is no atmosphere. Venus is the other problem, has way too much atmosphere. Venus mm. is like we're afraid Earth might be in a million years. It's covered in carbon dioxide and it's way too dense. It's like 90 times the density of, of, of the atmosphere on Earth, right? So you'd be crushed. Right. And 96% CO2, right? Yeah. And all that CO2 on that planet for all those years has really heated it up. So it's like 400 and something degrees on the surface of Venus all the time, right? That's not just like during the summer, that's all the time. (laughs) So the problem with Venus is the opposite. You need to get rid of some of that atmosphere and that'll help Venus cool down. And so that's, that's hard. Like how do you get rid of atmosphere? It's the opposite problem. You need to take out CO2. Yeah, and so people have crazy ideas they're like, well, you know, some ideas like somehow get that CO2 sequestered, you know, fire a bunch of stuff into the atmosphere of Venus, like magnesium or calcium, or, you know, mm. bombard it with hydrogen so that it forms water or, um, you know, with all sorts of other stuff. They have these strategies to try to get the CO2 out of the atmosphere onto the surface, which has its own problem. And there are other strategies like make huge scoops and scoop off the atmosphere, wow. right? Like, like just gather it up and scoop it off. Like that seems crazy to me. Like you're going to build an enormous spoon and like, you know, <laughs> dig into the atmosphere of Venus. It sounds crazy, but like, reasonable people talk about this stuff. You're like, it's physically possible. So get to work engineers. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, let, what if we could take some of the CO2 off of Venus and bring it to Mars, right? We could solve two yeah. problems at once, right? What if you could crash Venus into Mars <laughs> and create the perfect okay. planet? Now you're going too far. Okay, we can talk now, about okay, planet-sized like, mirrors, but we can't talk about smashing them together. That's just totally impractical. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, so that's you the have a limit. problem with Venus. There's a limit to your flavors of impossibility. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the other problem with Venus is that it rotates really slowly. A day on mm-hmm. Venus is 240-something days on Earth, right? So wow. you have like really, really long nights and really, really long days. That's a pretty hard way to live. So to really live on Venus, you'd have to like speed up its rotation somehow. Right. And people have talked about how to do that. Be a killer workday. Yeah. Like if you wanted to get rid of the atmosphere, you could build like a huge jet which punches, which pushes the atmosphere out into space. And that could act like, um, like a nozzle, right? To speed up the rotation of the planet. Now this is, what? I mean, it's sounding crazy, but like um, that's a real solution. Wow. Okay, so that's Venus. Um, that's Venus. We have the opposite problem. Where else? Where else could we go? Maybe outside of our our solar system. Yeah, one of the most promising things is not engineering a planet that's close by, but picking the right one. You know, it's mm. like don't choose from the cars that are available to you in your neighborhood if none of them work. Like go drive thirty miles to find the right one. You know, and so one option right. is to look for extrasolar planets, right? Planets outside our mm. solar system around other stars. And recently, we have amazing technology to do this. We found thousands of them. And just find one that has the right characteristics, that has the right Mm. amount of solar radiation, has an atmosphere, maybe even has liquid water. Um, You know, and from that point of view, uh, we'd be starting from a pretty good spot. It's not unlikely we could find one that has carbon dioxide rich atmosphere with the right pressure and the right temperature and liquid water. There's nothing unreasonable about that expectation. So that's more like terra-finding than terraforming, right? <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like it's, You're yeah. looking for one that already looks like ours. 
Yeah. And even in that scenario, there are some big problems. Like problem number one is it's super duper far away, right? So it's going to take a mm. long time to get there if, if that's even possible. Um, and you have to figure out that it's a good destination before you get there because you don't want to travel for a thousand years and then turn around because oops, you know, we forgot the shopping list or oops, we went to the wrong place. Um, the other problem is what do you do when you get there, right? You want to establish an ecosystem on the planet. And mm. having enough CO2 and you seed it with life and it produces oxygen, even that is not enough to make like farmable land, right? What you need then is soil. You need to cover the planet somehow with, with dirt that you can use to grow plants. And that's complicated, right? Getting, those, mm. getting dirt to work, getting soil to work is hard. We don't even understand right. how it works on earth. You know, people are studying... Dirt is not just dirt. Dirt is not just dirt. You, I mean, you can't grow things in just sand, right? Sand and water. You need most of the soil that we have on Earth is basically decayed plants, right? Is leaf litter and other stuff that has died. So now you got to start that process on another planet. You have to somehow seed it. You can bring some mm-hmm. soil and you can put it out there and it'll grow and spread. But to get the right balance of all those microbes working in just the right way to support the plants that you need to feed your people, that's not an easy problem to solve. Oh my goodness. And you can't just like truck in a planet's worth of soil from Earth, right? The people on Earth are not going to be happy about that. And that's expensive. Right. So it's a hard problem to solve even when you get there. Can't just go to Home Depot and buy a trillion bags of soil. <laughs> that's right. There's just not enough soil to fill another planet. And so that's the kind of thing that would take a lot of experimentation and a lot of time. But it, it is feasible. Okay. So we learned that there are a, a lot of different flavors of impossible. <laughs> that's right. Hoping beyond hope. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They're not impossible, right? All these things could be done. And, you know, these are the ideas we have now. And if we're talking about things we're doing over thousands or millions of years, you've got to hope that human ingenuity is going to come up with even better solutions, better right. strategies, new energy sources, ways to do this kind of engineering. So give us some time. I think we'll figure it out. Yeah, we might not be desperate now, but we might be more desperate later. Yeah, so throw another tire on the fire and, uh, you know, <laughs> make some plans to live on Mars. It really makes you think about how fragile our planet is, you know, like we're so lucky not to be like Mars. And if we're not careful, we're going to end up like Venus, you know, totally uninhabitable in either case. Yeah, you know, it's good to have negative role models, right? We see some pretty terrible examples around us of what happens when planets go off kilter. Mars lost its atmosphere, Venus overcooked its. So we're pretty lucky to be right in this sweet spot and we better take care of it because it's going to be a long time before we are capable of making another planet be home to a substantial population. So the next time you go outside, take a deep breath and savor it. (laughs) That's right. You're not likely to get that anywhere else. That's right. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening to this upbeat episode of Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. If you have questions about what we said and you want to hear more about it, send us an email at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Or if you have another suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, send it on over. Or if you have a question about physics or philosophy or dating or small mammals or whatever, just send it on over. Yeah. If you have questions about ceramics, like terracotta, Don't ask us. We don't know anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com.
Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.